Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. My name is Ken Edwards with the Midwest Coalition of Labor. Sitting to my left, once again, for the second week in a row, is Phil Davidson with the Mid-America Carpenters Regional Council. Mac RC, as you guys say. Absolutely. Good Thank, morning. Yeah, good morning. Thanks for filling in again. Appreciate it. I heard, I heard you guys uh, last week when I was um, catching fish in Florida. Yeah. And Abe, I, I, Abe Winkleman over here. And I know you... Uh, I know you doubted my ability to catch fish, and when I say fish, I mean one fish. Yep. Because I literally didn't catch a single fish for five days, so I extended my trip three more days, and I caught one fish. You landed a lunker. <laughs> How big? <laughs> it was very. Phil, of course, it was huge. I, it's, it was, I saw. It, oh God, it was so big. I saw big. the picture on Facebook. Yeah. Some people call it bait. <laughs> I think I caught bait. <laughs> so, so listen. While I was down there. Yeah. In, um, in Florida. Did you see your buddy DeSantis? I didn't see him, but I certainly had enough conversations with people about him. And um, I don't know if you saw this in the news, but Disney is suing DeSantis right now. And the case is called Goofy v. Goofy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just made that's a Ken Edwards original. Pretty good. Yeah. But I asked people down there, I'm like, you know, what do you think about this? And, you know, to a person, they're like, oh, I love DeSantis and whatever. And like, okay. You're going to love it when Disney moves to North Carolina? Oh, I don't care. I don't live in Orlando. I'm like, I don't think, I don't think you're getting the concept that's, that's here. You know, like, so. Big bite out of the economy, right? Yeah. Taking on Disney, I, I, I just think is a mistake. Um, and I think he's going to learn the hard way. Yeah. Yeah. Disney actually, yeah, I think they had layoffs, et cetera, but they also just recently settled a pretty large contract, uh, if I'm not mistaken, with their Goofies, you know? Yes, they did. <laughs> um, and, and I think it was a, actually a, a pretty hefty contract as well. So, And I was reading that he's losing a lot of his clout even amongst his Republican backers there because they're not the party that wants to go after private business. And there's only so much they can take in order it becomes a personal vendetta right. of him against Disney. They're like, this is not what we're signing up for here, man, you know? And, you know, and, and to those listening in Florida, because I know we have millions of Florida yeah. Floridians this that listen. national program. Yeah. Then, you know, what's what happened to government leaving business alone? Just leave it alone. Mm-hmm. Let them do their thing. What happened to capitalists, right? Are you, aren't you? Cap- I, I, of course, call this convenient capitalism, right? You're capitalist when it suits you, and you're not when it doesn't. So, yep. I don't know. What, whatever. Um in other news here, you know, we had talked about a few weeks ago, maybe it was a month or two ago, when when, when you guys were on, um, the Carpenters were on and talking about wage theft and all, and all the things that the Carpenters have been doing about that. I just read that Rosati's uh, entered into a consent decree to pay, I think there were five locations, to pay their workers back a quarter million dollars. You imagine that? In back pay. In back pay. They paid them in pizza. They didn't pay them a pizza. I just made that up. That'd be a lot of pizza. <laughs> That's a lot of pizza. But can you imagine, like, you know, Rosati's, right? That's a, it's a Chicagoland institution. Yep. And they're going to misclassify their workers. They're going to somehow, you know... Is that what was going on there? Uh, you know, that's what I guess it was alleged. Yeah. You know, it was an article in the Trib about it. Um, and they have to pay damages as well. So, you know, a quarter million dollars is, I mean, I don't know Rosati's budget, but that, that's not a small amount of money. Oh. And, you know, it goes to back to kind of what you guys, the carpenters, have been doing, which is, you know, let's make sure that people understand what they're entitled to. Yes. Right? I mean, some people don't know that they're entitled to overtime after 40 hours. Right? Uh, absolutely. They literally it's, don't know that. Uh, and and the not only that, what they're entitled to for workers' compensation. Yeah. For 
paid time off. You're now a law on that on the books in Illinois. There's just, of course, when someone walks up to you and says, hey, I'm going to pay you in cash on the table, it's very attractive. But right. when you take a moment to think about all the benefits that you're losing by getting paid in cash as an independent contractor. It's, right. Uh, you're not getting your Social Security paid no. into. You're probably no. not getting benefits. I mean, what does cash do for you? And then, of course, cash also forces you to lie to the IRS, right? And if you get caught doing that, now you're jammed up anyway. And yeah. is the employer going to go, you know, come save you from the IRS? No. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to deny, deny, deny. Yeah, I don't so, think they're going to send their legal team over. Yeah. So, you know, for those of you that are in that situation, you know, get familiar with this stuff. Um, get, you know, basically Google the Department of Labor, Illinois Department of Labor, who we had the head of the Department of Labor on um, a couple of weeks ago. Google them. There's a ton of information out there as to what your rights are and you know learn them and for the employers out there that are misclassifying workers cheating workers out of pay overtime you know making them you know oh just stay another 15 minutes or whatever stop it right yes. treat treat your workers right otherwise guess what what are they going to do they're going to organize they're going to organize that's they're right big that's, trouble listen um we have to take a quick break but uh we're super psyched today to have tom tully with us and he is the secretary treasurer of the illinois education association we're going to be talking teacher which is really really interesting a whole different world in, in labor land so we will be right back here on the workers mic 720 wgn you're listening to the workers mic powered by the midwest coalition of labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everyone, to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ken. Sitting next to me is Phil, and we are pleased today to have Tom Tully with the Illinois Education Association. Tom, you are the Secretary Treasurer? Correct. Yes, I am. And what does that mean? What do you do? It means I represent uh, all of our 135,000 members in financial matters. Got to keep them, make sure they're complying with uh, collecting the dues and making sure they're spending it and budgeting it correctly. And how long have you been doing that? This is my sixth year. We have term limits, so this is my second, third year term. So I'm in the final uh, year of my second term uh, representing all of our Oh, I didn't know. You have term limits? That's interesting. So what happens after your term limit is done? Uh, You can run for office and continue up into the vice president's role would be my next logical step which yep. i did okay uh and and you can also run for president of the association and while i'm in my position as secretary treasurer i'm on leave of absence from my school district so that if something happens you have some ability to go back to the district in which you were currently teaching so that is an agreement you have with each uh school board that's pretty locals. cool yeah. Yeah, let's talk about job security, huh? I love it. Uh, why don't we talk a little bit, just a broader view of the Illinois Education Association, the IEA, and you said in the 135,000 members in Illinois. Um located statewide correct we have 21 offices we have them from anywhere from carterville illinois to libertyville to rushville to champaign to lombard to naperville to effingham to a lot of a lot of vills a lot of vills edwardsville yeah uh, so we have them all across the state we have members in every county across the state that's what gives us our power when we want to go to the voting box One hundred thirty-five thousand members in illinois correct that's a that's a really impressive number and that means the largest. You, yeah, yeah, the largest you, union. You guys are the largest. Are you the largest union in the state? We're the largest teachers union in the state, and we represent higher education teachers. We hire. We represent educational support professionals, K through twelve teachers, nurses, a whole variety of uh, categories who are all educators. How many uh, different like collective bargaining agreements do you have? 
Each local has their own bargaining unit. We have probably close to 900 locals across the state, and each of them are bargained individually, uh, which makes it very unique. And as you know, our funding is all done through local property taxes. So a good portion of our 80 to 85% of all funding to our locals comes from their local property taxes, which makes it so important for us to get involved in school board races. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, and notably, you do not represent the Chicago teachers. Correct. There is a, the Illinois Federal of teachers also represents i don't know their numbers i know they're a little bit smaller than us as far as numbers wise but uh the federation typically across the country represents the urban setting in the cities and the association illinois education association or national education association represents suburban and rural more probably a higher percentage and how, how many members nationally over three million members for the National Education Association. Well, that is amazing. That's great. Big time. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And so, what do you think that your market density here is in Illinois? Well, we're always trying to make sure we have representation of all who are eligible for it. Right. Um, and that's something we've worked hard on since uh, a court decision came down from the Supreme Court with uh, uh, Janice being that uh, kind of what everyone calls it. Uh-oh, and, that's a trigger word for Ken. Uh, yes, it certainly <laughs> is. So, so let's stop there, okay, um, because we are, we're talking to a broad audience. Um, and so the, the Janice decision, in a nutshell, uh, made every public employee in the United States uh, what's called right to work, the ability not to pay dues and take advantage of the benefits of the union. And quite frankly, if you... It's a free ride. It's, yeah, free riders. And if you've listened to the show, that was the genesis of the Midwest Coalition of Labor because our benefits are only available to card-carrying, dues-paying members, which um, after the show, I will make a pitch to you, Tom, as to why the IEA should join us. Um, but we'll talk about that afterwards. But anyway, that's the, the that's the Janus case, and, and we've talked about Always this in be the past. Selling. What's that? Always be closing. Absolutely right. Um, so, and then you're talking about firefighters, cops, you know, teachers, uh, public works guys, city and sand, streets and sand guys, water rec. Guys. I mean, every public employee in the United States, not just here in Illinois, does not have to pay dues to their union and can take advantage of the benefits of the union. And what is that designed to do? It's designed to what? Separate and divide us and make sure that we have some uh, angry people who uh, have uh, stones to throw at us. Yep. Divide and conquer. And and also uh, hurt the unions economically, right? Yes. And, you know, and in the Republican mindset, they believe that by doing that, there's less money going into the coffers of Democrats. And, you know, to an extent, they're probably right. But if you look at, you know, let's let's talk about firefighters or cops for a quick second. I mean, they lean right, hard right, right? So I, I think it's, it's, it's almost, you know, for at least for that segment, it's having a, a negative impact on donations to, um, to Republicans. But, you know, that, that's a story for another day. You guys, um, Tom... And, and, and sorry to interrupt, Ken, but to be clear, that the Janus decision originated in Illinois. This was something that was led and funded by former Governor Bruce Ryan. Excuse me, Bruce Rauner. Yes. And he uh, found an employee who worked for the state who I believe worked in child services. I think that's Mark right. Mark Janus. Yep. And he was basically the straw man who led this case, but this became a national policy and went to the Supreme Court, but it originated here. It certainly did. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, it was a shame because Rauner tried to get on the case and he was tossed off and a couple other people tried to get on the case and they were tossed off. And I know we're moving to the side here, but, um, you know, there was only one plaintiff left and that was Mark Janis. Yes. And somehow, you know, he made it all the way to Supreme Court funded uh, by, you know, hard right conservative groups that I'm going to ask you about in a second, Tom. But back to back to your union. And, you know, it was the same for us in the building trades and the carpenters because we do have public sector members. How did it affect your union? The Janus decision had very little impact. Uh, we did not lose uh, very many, many members. Um, our our numbers continued to stay consistent. And I think that's a, a tribute to the benefits we provide and why people believe they have uh, a positive impact by being a part of the union. Yeah. Um, you've got to educate people, and obviously you have a lot of misinformation out there, and as of long course. as you get out in front of it and are able to share uh, the facts about what you can bring to the table and why it's important to join, uh, that's we were lucky to be able to do that, and I think uh, credit to our staff and our, our members for putting together talking points to, to just confirm what we already do for our members. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't say... You know, I, I would disagree with you on one thing, and I wouldn't say that it's luck. I think it's it's a, it's hard work, and, and you guys have 900 contracts to negotiate separately, which has to be, you know, I remember when I worked for 150, you know, we had 130 municipal contracts, and I was responsible for, you know, whatever, a third of them. I mean, that was a nightmare, and, and so that's not an easy task. Yes, every one of our locals has different variables in the county and local and cities they work in. Some of them have really good tax base for property taxes some do not so there, there's variables are all across the board and that's why it's important for us to make sure that we meet our members where they need us that's right and and they probably have different needs right some you know some are, are about money some are about management some are about both right some are about working conditions i mean it has to be an amalgamation of everything Right, Absolutely. Phil. Just like there's no different than a teacher than us in the in the building trades, exactly. right? Exactly. Or a police officer. So I was wondering, did it bring you? Did it have the adverse effect and actually brought some of your members closer together when you knew you were under threat with the Janus decision? And did it help build the sense of solidarity and pro union activism um, amongst teachers saying, "Look, they're trying to break us down," but we're going to stand together and we support our union and this is why i think it was something that really helped us out it also helped that the midwest was hammered with individual state decisions whether it be michigan and wisconsin just come to mind with what their their legislators did to them as far as taking away their ability for payroll deduction and other benefits that they enjoyed in those states we were hearing stories about them and we were ready with talking points to be able to share and confirm with our members you don't want what happened in wisconsin to happen in illinois here's why we need to stay a member of our union and i think that was helpful for unfortunately those bad circumstances that happened in those two states were helpful actually to you guys to to you know maintain solidarity and and probably quite frankly coalesce solidarity if you look at what happened in wisconsin i know for example that you know in 2020 teachers were paid less than they were in 2015 and they had a, a you know there a dearth of of teachers because people were moving right why would you stay there and be a teacher when you have literally no say in your working conditions and you know you're making less money than you did 5 years ago correct and you're, and by the way <clears throat> go back to this we we didn't talk about this what 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 did you do 
before you joined uh, the union, before you came on staff of the union? Before I was elected as secretary treasurer, I was a high school special education teacher. For how long? Uh, 24 years uh, as a high school special education teacher, and I'm currently on leave of absence from that local district. And uh, obviously, uh, it makes a difference in how you think about things when you have that uh, all that experience of dealing with kids and parents and local school districts. Uh, it, it brings you some really value-added uh, type of knowledge as uh, to represent our members as a secretary-treasurer. So it, it kind of transitioned itself. When you get involved in your local union, I was a local grievance chair, I was a local president, and then I transitioned into a national education NEA director, which is a representative from Illinois who travels across the country to Washington, and then you try to get involved in your state union, and I was lucky enough to win the election as secretary-treasurer six years ago, and it just kind of is a a pattern of, you know, you go from point A to point B to point C, and uh, I'm happy with uh, my journey. Good for you. Pro-union guy right here. That's for sure, but Mm -hmm. well, he wouldn't be on otherwise. No. Yeah. But let me ask you a question. Like, as, as a teacher, as an educator, you know, back in the day when I grew up, there were, you know, shop classes. And, you know, you, you went on a track to, you know, become a mechanic or, or, you know, trade schools and things like that. Those have gone away. And what's your feeling about trying to bring some of that stuff back? Do you want my personal opinion on that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, the, the term that is used uh, in many school districts is college ready and career ready. Um, too many of our schools are ignoring the career ready. Okay. The career ready track is what you're talking about, the trades and getting into the shop classes. And like we that. have these arguments across the state. Our locals are always fighting. Yes, it's very important for the English, math, science, and social studies classes. But we have some students who are going to work with their hands. They need some of those trades uh, schools that are available. So it's something that many of our local administrations talk about. But you're right. They're falling behind. They're closing the wood shop. When I started at Glenbard East in 1995, we had a we had an auto shop. We had yeah. all kinds of things. Those have been closed. Our wood shop has been reduced. Mm-hmm. Uh, the number of classes available in the electives has been reduced. So you're exactly right. They like to say career and college ready, but the career ready is kind of getting shortchanged. Career ready. I like that. I've never heard that term like before. That um, listen, if you are just tuning in, uh, we're, we're talking to Tom Tully right now with the Illinois Education Association. Uh, he's the secretary treasurer we have to take a quick break but do you mind sticking around for the next segment tom sure all right we we appreciate it we'll be right back with the workers mic right here on 720 wgn you're listening to the workers mic powered by the midwest coalition of labor and sponsored by megan financial premise health and voya financial Welcome back, everyone, to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. I am Ken Edwards from the Midwest Coalition of Labor. Sitting next to me, Phil Davidson. What's the name of your union? The Mid-America Carpenters Regional Council. Okay. It's easier for you to say. 52,000 members strong. That's huge, by the way. It is. Almost as big as the uh, IEA. We're getting there. Illinois Education Association. Give us a little more time. I love it. Um so anyway, we're we're back and uh, and and Tom uh, Tully from the Illinois Education Association, Secretary Treasurer, uh, was kind enough to stick around with us for another segment. I'm, I find this stuff really interesting because both Phil and I come from the building trades, um, you know, which is where I spent the the bulk of my career, and you know, talking teacher labor is different. It's it's just different, um, and you guys deal with you know a lot different issues than we do. Uh, in the building trades. So, so it's interesting to hear, you know, your perspective on this. And, and I appreciate your coming and talking to us about it. Um, I think, Phil, you mentioned that this is the 40th anniversary of the Illinois Educational Labor Relations Act. 
I believe so. Tom could tell us more. Yeah, that was signed in 1983 by uh, Governor Thompson. Uh, Wait a second. Governor Thompson? Wasn't he Republican? Yes, he was. Imagine that. Huh. How do you like that? Times have changed. Boy, have they ever. It's 40 years. And you imagine, like, you know, we were just talking about, you know, Wisconsin. I mean, they were the, the, the beginning of public sector unionism. And I forget how long it was there, but, you know, forever. And, you know, once again, they just got, it got destroyed. It is. The history is very strong. You know, uh, we have a short video commemorating uh, the uh, signing in 1983. And you have to really uh, give credit to our organizers who were pre-1983, who were still organizing union members and going on strike and getting arrested and being put in jail for trying to fight for members' rights. I love that. And yeah. when 1983, that signature happened, we didn't have to do it. It wasn't illegal to do it. We were able to organize our members. But we really have to give a shout-out to our organizers and our leaders back in the 70s trying to get that signed and the hard work that was put into it. And it's a great uh, video. Uh, where, where, can, where can we see that? You should be able to find it on our website. I believe it's at IANEA.org, and I believe the video is probably available uh, clicking one of our icons on our website. Yeah, I saw it. It's, it's impressive. Is that right? What, do you, have you heard any horror stories from members who were around pre that legislation being signed of what it was like being a teacher before they could had the benefits of collective bargaining? I think just most of the stories center around getting arrested and being willing to have handcuffs put on <laughs> yeah. you and dragged away to, you a imagine that? to a cell. The teachers getting arrested? Uh, yes, no, I actually, I, I can't. I can imagine the building trades guys getting arrested. Yeah, that's easier to imagine, yeah, that, but teachers... That happens, off, that happens often. Yeah. Like, you imagine, though, like, you know, just, this, this, again, this just sounds crazy in this day and age, right? But we're certainly screaming backwards in some regards. Like, some states are moving forward. Michigan, you know, uh, repealing right to work and, and you know, the, the dues checkoff and, and prevailing wage and things like that. Um, you know, Wisconsin, you know, hopefully maybe gets a shot because they just... Uh, uh, change the Supreme Court, but in other states, you know, child labor is back. Can you imagine that? It's and, and so you imagine like getting arrested for exercising your right to collectively bargain. I mean, that is just absolutely outrageous. And you know, and I'm going to get off the soapbox in one second. But in 1935, the National Labor Relations Act was passed, and in the very first page of it, it literally says. That the policy of the United States of America is to encourage collective bargaining agreements, uh, to encourage collective bargaining, I should say, in order to maintain labor peace so there's not a disruption of commerce and trade and, quite frankly, capitalism, right? And so it's literally the policy of the United States to encourage this, yet we're still fighting for it, right? And people are still trying to take it away. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, Tom and this sort of dovetails nicely into that, is why you, your union, will get involved in a school board race. So talk about that for a second. Yeah, it's it's very important. Obviously, with 900 locals and 900 different communities, it's important. And the structure of funding for our public schools is done through property taxes. A lot of people don't like you know how, how high their property taxes are, but those property taxes do stay local. So you want to have good schools. So when we get involved in 900 school board races, it... it you know, they're funding about 80% of the budget per year is from the local property tax base. So it's important for us to get involved politically in those races because our members sometimes don't like our our state politics. They don't like our national politics. Sure. Yep. 
but they should like their local politics because politics it, truly, local. it truly has an impact on them to get involved politically to make sure that there is pro public education voices who are the school board members so we were lucky enough this past year uh, april 4th i think we in about 90 close to 90 percent of the races in which we got involved we won um 90 percent close to 90 about 88 i don't have the exact percent on it but it's about 88 percent of our races we won we were concerned with some of the dark money that came in from national organizations to try to misinform our members but we were lucky we have members in all communities across the state and with our ability to communicate our communications department did a wonderful job of sharing facts about why it's important to have the right school board members in your local community Um, so obviously our message resonated we wanted a high percentage of our races we were involved with, and uh, we couldn't be happier. That's awesome. Good for you. Do your teachers have to live in the district in which they teach? No, they do not. Okay. So, you know, then what do they do in terms of getting out the vote, or what do you do in terms of getting out the vote? Do you talk to, do you know the union members that live in, you know, a particular district and go like, hey, today's the vote for such and such a board election, you know, that kind of thing? good we have a great question our organization has grassroots political activists that we have across the state we also have a government relations department we have some lobbyists that work on our behalf and they message for us to be able to uh, go to the capitol and make sure that our legislators are on board with some of our ideas and then having members in every area um, we have almost the entire state covered with some representation that we will have a title saying i'm the grassroots political activist for the effingham area we have someone we can go to to say hey here's the information do you have a small group that you have that we can get organized? We have the ability to go door to door and get our message out to those uh, knock on those doors that right now um, is the most important part. Having all the communities represented is is one of our best strengths. That's an impressive uh organization to be able to to take on a, a task like that are those paid positions or are they volunteer they are not they're volunteer positions that's one of the things just to put a quarter in me about ipi um so I, mis- what is what's ipi illinois policy institute which likes to misinform people about what's actually going on in the state of illinois um their, their big talking point for many years is our union dues are going to political action no, that's illegal for our dues to go to political action. We have Correct. volunteer contributions from our members that is completely separate that our members can access to do the mailings within their locals. We have a whole process that allows them to access their own voluntary contributions in their locals to go fight the misinformation that's happening in their particular community. Um, so their talking point of dues goes towards political action is com- completely false um so that's one of the things organizationally that we have is our strength is our members can tap into money to be able to go fight uh, and and have the messaging that applies to their area because all our messaging is different yeah and what, what was some of the misinformation that you were fighting against in the most recent school board elections like what were some of the headwinds you were facing in you know against the opposition in these races probably the biggest one that i resonated was parents rights everyone was fighting to say parents need to have rights in what's happening in their schools that's not correct the parents already have all the rights in which they have within their local they have a voice to be on different committees that the school board puts in they have the right to go to the uh school board meetings and have their voices heard so it was false to say that the parents voices weren't being heard parents have always had a voice what, are, yeah, like, what, voice. what about having to the pta right right it, is that, don't they still exist yep. it's exactly and right. can parents run for school boards if they want to absolutely and can stand up at a, a school board meeting and make their you know whatever their opinion known 
and uh, and they have access to email to contact an individual teacher if there's a particular chapter that they don't necessarily like happening. I'm a health teacher. One of the classes I taught in special education was health, mm-hmm. and they'd say, you know, there's a particular chapter on sexual education. I don't want my son or daughter. Oh, we'll give them a separate project, and we can move on. So there's already accommodations for parents. That was a that was a crisis not going unwasted, and you saw all the people getting up and going, "I don't want my kid to do this. I don't want my kids to learn that, and I don't want my kid to read this book." And now we're talking back to banning books, you know, right. and like we literally once again, we're going it's backwards. This, it's, yeah, we're banning books. Yeah, right. And and you have to know the districts. Like, I mean, the teachers represent the communities where the schools are and they know the values of the communities that they're teaching in i don't think that they're going to go too far off track of what is appropriate why would they because they 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 come from those same areas right it's not like a teacher lives in chicago and drives down to effingham and says (laughs) i'm gonna teach you know my chicago values down here in effingham illinois that doesn't happen tom i I gotta go back to this uh, illinois policy institute um it it is a it's a right-wing uh you know, quote unquote, think tank um, that is funded by you know the U lines of the world and, and very obviously conservative. Well, like what? What? I don't understand the dog that the the dog in the fight with the teachers. I just don't get it. They're constantly bashing teachers unions. Like teachers unions are going to write raise your property taxes, right? We had the same thing during the uh, workers', workers rights, rights amendment, amendment right? Correct, yeah. Right, same thing. We're raise your property taxes. They're automatically going to go up. No, they don't. They didn't. Yeah, have they gone up? No. Uh, yeah. they actually, they have not. No. No. So uh, you know, I don't get it. And the and, keyword? Yeah. Go ahead. Money. And and explain. Uh, they're looking to privatize education there's lots of money to be made if they can misinform people that your particular school district's not doing the job they want to misinform them that you're going to be have a better choice is is your better option why would you want to privatize education because a company can come in and profit from it that is what some people represent. Um, they want to have some of their friends to be able to have money to be made and have tuition be paid to their buddies and then their messaging is what they want it to be so they mm-hmm. misinform the public it's about uh it's definitely about money to try to make sure that um their messaging is is what happens in the classrooms and it's it's it, it's not accurate we're doing a great job uh most of our polling over the last couple of years for our uh state of the union for our uh, education that we we poll our our uh, our members they're very satisfied with public education. So, with so, the job so, we're doing. so it would yeah. be like, Mrs. DeVos, can I use the bathroom? No, you can't use the bathroom right now. <laughs> Which bathroom do you want to use? There's only two. <laughs> yeah. Right? Pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. As she makes the decision from her super yacht. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> well, it's destroy, it's destroy the public unions, and we do have some funding that comes from the state. And obviously, if you can carve out more money that property tax goes in different areas, that's something they can talk about sure. and say it's better spent elsewhere. And then, and then, and then they, they, meaning the IPI and these conservative groups, contact your members directly and try and encourage them to drop out of the union, right? Correct. They try to hit uh, certain times of the year when money might be a little tighter for some of our members and say, this is a great time ah, to drop out so ah. that you don't have uh, you know, a certain amount of money coming out of your paycheck. It's right around the holidays in December. Hey, don't you want a little extra money to be able to spend? They're not doing anything for you. So they get the, and how do they get the addresses? I think some of it has come from Google searches. Some of it comes from just uh, some social media. Everyone who shares their information on Facebook and tells them everything about yourself and what year you were born and what your favorite color is and who your favorite sports team is and who your favorite high school is, they pretty simple. And they'll, they'll, they'll actually knock on your door too, right? 
They will. In some areas, they will knock on the door and, and hand you some misinformation about what the union is supposedly doing. You imagine somebody coming to the south side of Chicago and, and knocking on the, the building trades guy's door and saying, hey, why don't you drop out of your union? It, <laughs> wouldn't, that, it wouldn't that, go well. That conversation is not going to go particularly well, right? <laughs> no. So I, I, we don't experience that, um, but you guys do, and this is interesting, right? That you, we have. You know, we're, we're learning about about this. And, and but, you're trying – There's, I know that there's been some success – in preventing lists of your members, teachers, that information being made public. Like, why, why would that be put in the wrong hands? Obviously, it shouldn't be made public. No, it shouldn't right? be accessible to like, anybody. It's just like giving, yeah. giving the people, like, giving the criminals the cops' home addresses. Exactly. I mean, that's just stupid. Yeah, yeah there's right. been some new additional laws in Illinois that have protected us from those lists getting in the hands and being easily accessible through the legal process of FOIA and all of that. Um, and we can talk about this forever. Look, I, I uh, you, we've been talking to Tom Tully, the Secretary Treasurer of the Illinois Education Association. Um, we really appreciate your coming down here today. We could spend eons talking about this because I don't, I don't even know what I don't know about teachers uh, unions. Would you, would you be willing to come back one day? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming. We, we really appreciate it. We have to take a quick break, and then we're going to finish up the show uh, with some jokes about Ed Maher. Um, you've been listening to The Worker's Mic right here on 720 WGN. You're listening to The Worker's Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everybody, to The Worker's Mic right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ken. He's Phil, and uh, that was pretty interesting, huh? Great conversation. Learned yeah. a lot. I learned a lot, too. I, I, I could talk for hours about this kind of stuff. Um, you know, not not to uh, say anything terrible about Ed because he's the greatest, but, you know, I, I get to go to Florida and he's in Italy. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got to talk to your old lady about that one. I think uh, she was... I gotta. Just, I could just picture those. This is just like, in my mind, I don't know why I picture this, but, this, you know, Ed's a big boy and, big he, guy. and he's irish strapping so here's this big giant irish guy like you know riding a vespa <laughs> around the with cobble, a scarf <laughs> around the co- drinking a glass of vino or an espresso or whatever it is you know around the cobblestones of Rome yes smoking a cigarette yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah he's gonna scare you, some you, people over you there think he's gonna come back and like with an italian accent or something like, <laughs> That'd be great. oh the pizza here is terrible <laughs> and, um, i only eat neapolitan now <laughs> He told me. He told me he's a pasta fan. So he's like, oh, he's going to come back about thirty pounds. That's heavier. what he's saying. Yeah, he's like, this could do a number on my waistline. But now he's svelte. Yeah, he's svelte. That's a good svelte. word. I like it. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm hoping he's, he's having a great time. He deserves it. Um, yeah. Really quick, uh, a quick shout out to the employees at the Museum of Science and Industry right here in Chicago. They are trying to organize a union. They have a vote coming up. I think in a couple of weeks, and, and a bunch of them were outside of the Museum of Science and Industry. And you know what they're asking for? They were asking... Tell me. Okay. You want to know? You sure? I do. Okay. Um, They were asking for the Museum of Science and Industry to stay neutral in their election. And... That that seems uh, like a minor ask. (laughs) and, And what that means to everybody that's listening is... It means that the employer doesn't hire a union buster or come in and put on an anti-union campaign. Yeah. And, and next week, we're going to be talking about um, a contractor with Amazon uh, that got their first Teamsters contract that stayed neutral and have a, a lengthy conversation about that. But they're literally out there, you know, uh, picketing and saying like, hey, Museum of Science and Industry, which, by the way, it's science and industry, right? Industry. Industry. <laughs> yeah. And, the right? emperor uh, uh, there. Yeah. Come on. Like. 
you're going to put on an anti-union campaign against your own workers trying to form a union? That 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 just seems anathema to me. And also, who's organizing them? Um, I have no idea. I guess okay. I should know that, but next week I'll I'll, I'll know that. Okay, it could it, it could be independent. Yeah. You know? Um, I can tell you, I don't think it's any of the building trades. No. Um, but you know, I don't know where does a where does a museum like that get their funding. Is it taxpayer funding? A lot of private do- donations, I'm, I'm assuming, is the majority of their share. But, yeah, I'm sure there's grant money that comes from the state, from the city. Yeah, there's got to be. Yeah. And it's a beautiful museum. But, I mean... Yeah, I mean, it's one of the jewels of the city. And I think we talked about this once before. It's like, it'd be a shame if that, you know, 4,000-year-old vase fell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some people get a little yeah, bit yeah, well, hey, stumbly. Well, I, it happens. Well, I knocked over the uh, only... Uh, original caveman that we have here it's like Fabergé my, egg <laughs> my bad <laughs> let's hope there's no klutzes that walk through there anytime soon <laughs> I don't suggest any of that no. by the way for the record and neither no. does WGN and we don't know what the museum's doing this is just no I don't know it. but yeah. the fact that they're out there picketing for neutrality yeah um, you know tells me that it, they must be doing something so yeah. Yeah. You know, hey, hey museum of science and industry do not make me cancel my membership okay there you go right I think uh, we'll my one-man boycott. Hey, today's been a, a really... Not uh, exactly lightweight. That's right. Uh, um, been a good, fun, uh, an interesting episode. I really uh, could talk to this teacher stuff, about this teacher stuff forever. Yeah, it was um, a good, good fresh perspective. Yeah, from, different than the building trade. Yeah. Right? Different for yeah, us. And, and, you're uh, right. And like we're, we're all union, but they have a way different set of issues than we do. For sure. Um, yeah, so it was really informative. I appreciate your sitting in for Ed, by the way, and also sitting in for me last week, Phil. Uh, that's been great. Shout out to Da Vinci Street Productions, our, our soon, hopefully, to be IATSE members. Um, IATSE, if you're listening, let's let's make this happen. And uh, we'll be back next week uh, with another show right here on The Worker's Mic, 720 WGN. The preceding episode of The Worker's Mic was powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. For additional information and podcasts of The Worker's Mic, visit WGNRadio.com.